Hello, everyone. My name is Michelle, and welcome to Romcom Weekly. Today, I'm joined by my friend Sharon, and we're talking about the movie Bend It Like Beckham. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks so much for calling in all the way from Italy. I really appreciate it. No problem. My pleasure. So let's get into it. The release date of Bend It Like Beckham was in 2002. It's directed by Gurinda Chada. It stars Parminder Nagra, Kira Knightley, and Jonathan Rhys Myers. Also, I should note that it's written by the director, Gurinda Chada. The IMDb.com summary is the daughter of an Orthodox Sikh family rebels against her parents' traditionalism and joins a football team. The score on IMDb is a 6.6. It made around $76 million at the box office. Okay, so Sharon, what would you rate this movie on a scale from 1 to 10? I think you're going to be a little surprised because it's probably going to be a little lower than what you expected. Um, But I gave it a 6.7, so uh, very close to what the IMDb score was. How about you? So I actually am giving it the exact same score as the IMDb, a 6.6. Okay. And why is that? (laughs) This is not a movie that I grew up loving. It's not a nostalgic film for me. 6.6 to me is like, it's a good movie, but I don't love the movie. There are definitely some themes that I relate to. I thought it was cool to see an Indian Brit on screen. But yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a good movie. Yeah. No, I think I agree with you. But I think for me, a 6.7 maybe has like a little bit of a of a more positive connotation to it. I guess for me, this was a very nostalgic film, something I grew up watching and it was kind of my go-to movie when I wanted to watch something that was kind of a wholesome, feel-good movie that I didn't have to think too hard about. Yeah, I just really loved the themes that it presented and I think it was my first exposure to Sikh and Indian culture, actually. Well, so you started by saying that I would be surprised with your score. Yeah. So yeah, why isn't it why isn't it higher? Well, okay, so when I first saw this film, I absolutely loved it. And I I bought the DVD, I watched it over and over, and I found it just like so entertaining, so funny. But <laughs> this past rewatch was the first time I've seen it in a couple years and it just wasn't as, I guess, as entertaining as I remember it being. But maybe it's because I also have this movie pretty much committed to memory. So it was almost like, uh, it was too predictable, maybe. You know, there were definitely parts that were a little cheesy and where the acting was a little bit stiff. So that's kind of why I gave it a 6.7. Okay. Before we get into the normal categories, I wanted to call out one thing, maybe you'll disagree with me, but I actually don't think of this movie as a rom-com. I know that when I, you know, we talked about recording and what movie you wanted to do, you, this wasn't even on the list. You actually requested to do this movie. So I had to think about it. I was like, actually don't identify this as a rom-com, but IMDb does categorize this as like a romantic comedy or drama or something like that. (laughs) But Yeah, I think I identify this movie more of a coming-of-age story versus a romantic comedy. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Actually, to be honest, I did have to also look it up on IMDb to see what category it actually fell under. 
because you're right, it's not a traditional rom-com in the sense that the romance isn't front and center. It's kind of like a secondary plot. Yeah, but I, I suggested this movie because I thought it'd be an interesting one to discuss. I feel like this movie has a lot to offer. and There's a lot of themes that are kind of encapsulated in this film. And uh, it's just such a nostalgic film for me. And I also wanted to get your thoughts on it. I thought it'd be interesting to see what, yeah, what your opinion was about the film that, like, that's been such a big part of my adolescence. Okay, well, let's break it down. Let's start with what you liked about the movie. I know we kind of just alluded a little bit to it. So the things I liked is like I what I just said is that it's a great coming of age story. It's original. I don't feel like I've seen this kind of story told before about a Sikh British family of a woman and she has a love for soccer. And it's basically this battle between do I follow what my parents want me to do or do I follow my passion, which is a struggle that is super relevant 18 years later today, obviously. So I like that the main protagonists are women. Their problems aren't just surrounding boys, that there are other conflicts in the movie. Jess, who is Parminder Nagar's character, she's the protagonist and her best friend is a white woman. So that was kind of a cool dynamic. Usually we see the minority woman as like the sidekick and never the main character. So that was pretty cool to see here. I like that the women are depicted as tomboys, They love their sport. They're not consumed with their vanity. They're not consumed with, you know, what boys think of them. They're doing what they love and they're good at it. And yeah, I thought it was just a really cool depiction that we just don't see very often. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I liked all those factors that you just named. Um, I really appreciated the fact that the characters were a little different from what you see in a normal mainstream movie um, when it comes to teenage girls. I really like that they were such driven characters and that uh, they really want to pursue this untraditional path, which is soccer, which isn't even really a popular sport. At least women's soccer isn't even a popular sport in the U.S. I would say it's very much much less lucrative than men's soccer and uh, gets a lot of flack in the U.S., I feel like. I also liked that uh, I don't think I've ever had ever seen a movie that showcased an, an Indian family or an Indian protagonist in mainstream media outside of Bollywood. And I just thought it was really fascinating to see that they, they highlighted like their traditions and how colorful their events were, like the engagement. So I thought that was really nice to see. And I love the characters, that they were all really, <laughs> really well done. And I, I liked seeing Keira Knightley. This was one of her first films, I think. Yeah. So I actually jotted a few notes. So this movie came out in 2002. This is the first time I think I saw Keira Knightley. And then in 2003 is when she kind of hits it big. So she does Pirates of the Caribbean and Love Actually in 2003. That was 2003. Wow. And then 2005, she does Pride and Prejudice, which is a huge favorite. I love that movie. I've actually never seen that. What? (laughs) Yeah. I wanted to note what you mentioned earlier about women's soccer. Okay. I agree with you that this movie is great because it depicts women playing soccer, but there are no other female sports that I think are lucrative. No women's sport is that lucrative. Like, sure, tennis, but 
it's only because of Serena. I'm not a huge soccer fan. And this happens in the movie. The characters, Jules and Jess, they watch a tape of like women's soccer. There was like Mia Hamm, Brandy Chastain. Yeah, I do know Mia Hamm. <laughs> you know, so those were the biggest female names in that sport at the yeah. time. There's been a lot of politics around women's soccer getting equal pay, at least in the U.S., because women's soccer dominated last year. And there's that ongoing fight. So I would say, yeah, it kind of brought a lot of women's sports to the part of the conversation. But I don't really follow that conversation. So I can't really speak too much of it now. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a fair play. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. But yeah, it was it was kind of interesting to see a film that would pretty much put a women's sport front and center as the main storyline. That was kind of refreshing because I feel like there aren't really any other films that have come out since this that have featured female sports. Actually, some other things I liked about the film was also the music. I really enjoyed it. I I thought they were really fun and I liked the Hindi versions of the American songs. Also, <laughs> this movie sparked my love for Jonathan Rhys Meyers. So he is also <laughs> one of the reasons why I love this film so much. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know you you love this man deeply. So do you still like find him attractive? Um I do. I think he's still physically an attractive person. Uh, maybe not as much as I used to. I think when when I first saw this movie, I was so taken aback by how I, I thought he was like the most gorgeous man I've ever seen. Really? Yeah, but this is, I mean, you got to remember, I was, <laughs> I was also 15 or 16 when I first saw this movie. So... Yeah, I don't think I had been exposed to many, I guess, Hollywood stars at that. It was just like Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, and they like didn't really do it for me. So when I saw him, I was like, whoa, he's awesome. He's gorgeous. You see those eyes? <laughs> You'd pick Jonathan Reese Myers over Brad Pitt? Well, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm kind of weird like that. <laughs> Shocking, right? I actually never thought that Brad Pitt was... I guess growing up, I never really thought he was that great. I think later on, I kind of appreciated him a little bit more. But yeah, I don't know. My teenage self really was taken by Jonathan Reese Myers. As a woman in her 30s now, do you still pick Jonathan Reese Myers over Brad Pitt? Mm, oh, that's a good question. Well, he is younger. Brad Pitt has aged a bit, so... Yeah, I'll, I'll still take Jonathan Reese myers over Brad Pitt. Wow, <laughs> okay. Um, well, then, I think we're going to get into a mini fight here, because let's move on to what we don't like about oh, the movie. Oh, no. <laughs> Michelle. At the top of my list is I don't love Jonathan Reese myers Well, so the character of Joe, which is what he plays, eh, he's fine as a character. But I also think that Jonathan Rhys Myers chose some really weird acting decisions to portray Joe. Like, he just kind of seemed, let's just say I have the opposite reaction of Jonathan Rhys Myers as you do. Oh, no. <laughs> let's just keep it at that. I don't, yeah, I just don't love him. Oh, okay. I don't really have a relationship with the actor. He's in Mission Impossible 2 or 3, three yeah. or something like that. But that's. Yeah, but that's about all I've seen of him. I never watched The Tudors. Um, maybe he's big in, like, the UK, but that hasn't really carried over here for me. Yeah, to be honest, I actually haven't seen much else that he's been in, so... 
But I'll be honest, I did look him up to see. I looked at his IMDb profile to see what else he's done since this movie. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm uh, thinking I might revisit some of the sh- <laughs> some of his new work. Yeah, you Check should if you love him as much as you do. And if you've chosen him over Brad Pitt, yes, you should definitely be invested <laughs> in his career, Sharon. I love Brad Pitt's acting. I think he's a great actor. It's just, you know, physically it doesn't do it for me. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we don't need to turn this oh, into no. a Brad Pitt podcast, but. Interesting. So you, okay. So you had the opposite reaction. Okay. Just stab me in the heart. That's cool. Yeah. Sorry. But what is it about his, like, uh, the way he portrayed Joe that you didn't like? He just seemed too close for comfort. There were some scenes when he's talking to Jess and I was like, yeah, he needs to take a step back, like physically take a step back. He's just too close to her. And like he, I don't know, it just, he has this weird energy about him. He's kind of like, <laughs> he doesn't exude like a soccer player to me. He looks like someone who walked out of a a corporate job. Like he's wearing these button downs and black slacks. And he also just doesn't have the physique of a soccer player to me. Soccer players are like, they're just like muscular. There's no fat. They're not skinny either. They're just incredibly fit. And he just does not look like a soccer player to me. Interesting. Well, I mean, okay, I'll give you that. I think he's definitely beefed up since this role. I think like, he was pretty skinny when he played Joe. So yeah, I guess to me too, he didn't really look like a soccer player I'll be honest, when I saw the airport scene, I mean, I'm jumping to the end, but when he's running to Jess, I was just like, wow, that's that's not a soccer player run. Yeah, he like flails about. Yeah, it's not a manly run, but I feel like he's probably improved on that since. <laughs> I guess you just have to watch his movies and find I know. out. I really should. So then I have a question for you. Who would you have wanted to see play the role of Joe? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I don't know. I'd have to think about it. I'm very bad at, like, casting on the spot. Um, let me see. Like, an athlete. <laughs> My first name was, like, Channing Tatum. But, like, what? I don't know if that's accurate. I think he's too so big the- <laughs> to be a soccer player. So he's in another soccer movie that I love, which is called oh, She's no, the Man. Oh, yeah, that's right. But he was way skinnier back then. He's more of like an athlete. Yeah. Gorgeous to look at, but like goofy. Maybe I'm just, I just love him in the movie She's the Man. He but, was really good in that. <laughs> yeah, he's great in that. All right. I guess we can just settle that. You love Jonathan Reese Myers, and he just doesn't bring anything to the table for me in this and movie. Apparently that's one of your big dislikes. <laughs> yeah. I remember watching him in like, years ago in the movie and I was like why do both of these women like him I didn't understand like I just could not connect to what they liked wow. about him okay <laughs> do you have any other dislikes <laughs> uh Jess's sister Pinky is such a mm-hmm. bitch I didn't like her character but I guess she's meant to be portrayed as that she's just so hot and cold she's so mean to people behind their backs she calls like Tony's mom like she said something like she better hide her st- her three stomachs. <laughs> her three stomachs? Like who says that? Yeah, that was a bit harsh. It's a bit harsh. And like, yeah, I just didn't understand her character. She would help Jess out to like conceal the secret of going to play soccer. 
but then she would out her, but then like also continued to keep her secret. So it was just, I couldn't figure her out. She was a little bit one dimensional. She just wanted to get married and you know, that's, that's fine. But I think like she was just incredibly mean to everybody in her path. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you on that point. She was a very vapid character. It seemed like very self-absorbed. I still thought it was funny when she was shopping around, dragging Jess along to her shopping excursion, and she like ran into her three friends, and she sees that one of them wears is wearing like blue contacts. She's like, "What? <laughs> Why does she have blue contacts now? I can't like now I can't wear mine." I was just like, "Oh wow, she's that kind of person." Yeah, and that's also just incredibly dated that people are still wearing colored contacts in 2002. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it totally gave me a throwback to how bad like the early 2000s fashion was. <laughs> so awful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have one other thing that I didn't love about the movie was the club scene. It was just a little cringeworthy. I didn't love it. I thought it was awkward watching them dance, like, not well and... <laughs> Was it to a Mel C song? I don't even know. But yeah, they were just like dancing. And I just, I was like, I shouldn't be watching this. This is really uncomfortable for me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> Their dancing wasn't the best. But I think when I watched that scene, I was like, oh, I guess that's just how people dance in European clubs. Uh, I did not like the way that Jules reacted when she saw Jess and Joe almost kissed. Like her, I thought her reaction was really extreme. Like when she sees him right off the bat, she's like, "You bitch!" I was like, "Whoa!" Mm-hmm. They didn't even like actually. They didn't actually do anything. <laughs> yeah, that reaction was way over the top, and I think she just outs herself in that scene oh, too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't know if Joe knows that she has feelings for him, but by that reaction, now everybody knows that she <laughs> likes Joe. So this is like the question I had because it seemed like her and Joe kind of had a history and that he might have known that she liked him. Like, do you remember that scene where she's playing like foosball in his club and then as they're walking out and everyone's saying bye, she gives him a hug and he kind of like, you know, kind of pushes her away or something? Yeah, I did notice that. So I thought maybe he did know know that she had a thing for him. Mm. But yeah, I just thought her reaction was really strong and I didn't I didn't love the way the way they wrote that scene. I was like, mm, I wish uh, it was done differently. Yeah, there was more nuance to it, but I guess they needed to just move it along. Yeah. They needed to create some more conflict between Jules yeah, and Yeah, I guess that was like a drama point, I guess. Mm-hmm. But another thing that I did not like about the movie was there's a part where Joe takes off Jess's shoes and starts massaging her feet after he makes her run around the pitch. I'm like, uh, why? It's so gross. <laughs> I'm just not a foot person, so... Okay, so you're, it's specifically the yeah, foot that you have a problem it's, with. It's just that, like, the feet. I'm like, ugh. First of all, like, after running around for that long like you know your feet are going to be pretty sweaty and gross <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's not i know it's meant to be like a an intimate scene but i was just like mm, i'm not feeling it <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i i haven't brought this up yet because it's more of a theme i think that kind of happens throughout but i didn't love the overt misogyny happening in the movie mm. and i think it's meant to be comical like it's meant to be exaggerated Obviously, it's not true. Women can obviously play sports and 
you know, there's a few lines that Jess's Indian soccer friends just overtly comment on yeah. their bodies like, oh, her boobs are so big. How does she play soccer with those big boobs? <laughs> and just like stuff like that. Obviously, there's some like racially charged things from Jules's mom. And I'm conflicted about how to feel about her because there are some things that she says that are really funny. But then also like, yeah, she's just totally embarrassing herself. She should not be saying a lot of these yeah. things. But I'll get to that. I'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you there. <laughs> Yeah, so let's talk themes then. I know we alluded earlier to the idea of Jess being second generation and then wanting her parents' acceptance and then also trying really hard to fill that mold of expectations that they have of her. It's no secret that they want her to go to law school, I think, uh, to become a solicitor, which I had to look up because that's not <laughs> language we use here in the U.S. Yeah, when I first heard that, I was like, solicitor, like she's going to go around asking people, right. <laughs> like doing surveys or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think a solicitor is basically someone who deals with a lot of like the paperwork of being a lawyer, like drafting up wills and stuff like yeah. that. So yeah, I think she wants so hard to please her parents, doesn't really know how to make them happy. She basically lies to her parents. She does, to her credit, feel incredibly bad. And she wants so much to tell her parents the truth, but she's just conflicted. They're never going to understand. Yeah. They're never going to support me in this. So what's the point? I should just do what I want to do. If they don't know, then I'm not hurting them. So I don't know if I relate to that extreme of measures, but I do understand wanting your parents to just be on board with whatever you're doing. So that was a really big theme, obviously, all throughout the movie. Right. And then the last theme that I kind of took away was Jess and the power of not taking no for an answer. She does anything that she can to play soccer. And I think we, you know, come to take away that soccer is her true love. No man can kind of stand in the way of that. Of course, she cares if Joe's around, but like, no, soccer is what she wants to pursue and not this man. And she goes to extreme measures to play soccer. And there's some beauty into following your dream. If you're really good at it, yeah, you should do whatever it takes, I guess. So yeah, I think you highlighted all the same themes that I took out of it as well. I don't know if you consider it a theme, but maybe just a plot point was Tony's subplot about him coming out to Jess and coming out as gay and trying to also reconcile his own sexuality and I guess how taboo it would be in his culture. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting point that she just highlighted like briefly in the movie. Mm -hmm. I guess that kind of topic wasn't really explored in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I thought it was very progressive at the time to have a character who is gay and comes out. Maybe in 2002, we weren't seeing that, especially in a lot of uh, in the Indian tradition. I do wish that they gave Tony a little bit more love. Yes. And I didn't love the reaction that Jess had. She was just like, oh, what is your mom going <laughs> to think? But, you know, I think it's it's meant to, she's shocked by this information. And of course, Jess doesn't care. Yeah, I think I would have reacted the same way as Jess back then, too. I've been like, oh, oh my gosh, what will your parents say? What? How are you going to deal with it, you know? I think that's maybe, yeah, quite a genuine reaction from a lot of people. And Jess obviously doesn't care that Tony's gay. Like she's, I think that was very subtle. Was just She just never treated him any differently. And maybe that hopefully encouraged other people to feel the same way. I read somewhere 
that Gurinder Chada, the director and writer, I hope I'm not wrong, but that she's actually gay herself. Oh, really? So that's why maybe there's these themes throughout. Oh, interesting. Um, obviously, Jules and Jess, there's a lot of misunderstandings that they are a lesbian couple. Yeah. So maybe that was something that was intentional as well, is like, who cares if they're actually lesbians mm. in the yeah. end? There's a lot of conflict between Jules and her mom. You know, her mom thinking she's gay. I hope, again, I, that I'm not wrong. But if she is gay, then I can understand why that she's bringing these themes into the forefront. Yeah. Oh, I actually had never heard that. That's news to me. But, I mean, it would make a lot of sense why she would introduce it into the film then if, if that was the case. Yeah. And, like, speaking of the gay community, I guess, is that in my research of the movie, a lot of people really wanted Jules and Jess to end up together, actually. And that I think a lot of people who were struggling to come out of the closet used this movie as like a touch point in their coming out story, I guess. <laughs> a lot of people, at least from the Reddits, a little bit of <laughs> reading on Reddit that I found was that a lot of people were heterosexual awakening by Keira Knightley in this movie. Does this movie have a a low-key gay cult following? I think so. Wow. I think so. Because it's about women playing soccer, you know? It's not about the traditionally pretty girl, I guess, you know, in the stereotypical way. But this kind of shows that the normal girl can be an athlete, can be pretty, can be strong and interesting. So I think that might have something to do with it, too. That's pretty cool. I like that. (laughs) So you, what's interesting to me is that when you saw this as a kid, 18 years ago, you know, you were like, oh, it's just so easy to watch. It's just lighthearted. But when I watch this now as like an adult, I'm like, there's a lot to unpack in this movie, actually. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This isn't like some movie for me to have on in the background. I feel like the more often I watch it, there's more things to pick up on. So I think I ha- we were having like opposite reactions to this movie. But that's also like, I didn't grow up watching this. Like I've seen this maybe a handful of times. Probably a lot of those times was when we were living together. <laughs> so <Maybe. laughs> yeah, yeah. Like this is not a nostalgic, this doesn't mean a lot in the nostalgia factor for yeah. me. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point you, t- you make. I think when I, you know, when I first saw this, I was only like 15, 16. I think a lot of the deeper issues and themes were lost on me back then. I just, yeah, I really did just mm. see it as like a lighthearted, funny comedy that also had a really attractive guy in it. Mm-hmm. And I just really like the characters. But you're right. Like, now that I watch it as I'm older, like, even though I'm not as engaged when I watch it, I, like, now now I can see, oh, like, there are definitely deeper, uh, more serious issues that they're addressing in the film that I, that I wasn't picking up before. And it's actually a kind of a profound movie and has a lot, a lot of depth to it. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, too. This is why I think it's so fun to kind of revisit these movies now where we are in our lives, because like you just said, this movie that you thought was like fun and comical and had a really hot guy in it back then, you're like, that's what I like about it. But then it has maybe totally different meaning when you watch it again now. And maybe I just didn't realize it that I was, I guess maybe a part of it was I was also relating to the family and like the cultural similarities they had with my own background Mm -hmm. being an Asian American woman. So 
maybe that was subconsciously there, which is also what drew me to the film. But now I watch it, I'm like, wow. Yeah, I do relate a lot more to it. And it's still relevant to my life. Yeah. No, that's a really good. That's really interesting because I'm thinking back on the movies that I watched over and over again. And I had no subconscious connection. But for you, you have, <laughs> I can understand the subconscious connection. Yeah. Where you wanted to be seen more, that you saw maybe yourself in Jess, yeah. that you were not being understood by your parents and all that. Yeah, I think like, like you know, we both face the same pressures. I think my parents were also very similar to Jules's parents in the sense that, you know, growing up, they wanted me to really focus on my education. And, you know, they really pushed hard for that. They didn't really care about sports at all. They're just like, you have to study, you have to get good grades, you have to go to a good college or you know, uni, good uni. And mm -hmm. you, you know, find a nice man, get married, and have kids. And that was supposed to be the trajectory of my life. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, I, I do relate to that. Unfortunately, I don't have Jess's all-consuming passion for one career pursuit. So I don't relate mm -hmm. to that aspect. But um, I just knew, like, I, I didn't want to follow what, like, the path that my parents wanted for me because they were really pushing hard for me to be a doctor. And both my brother and sister ended up following that path. And so I think my parents thought they're going to have another success story on their hands with me. But... I clearly mm -hmm. broke the mold and, uh, you know, realized that was not where my competency was or my passion. So I can relate in that sense. It's just, you know, wanting to pursue your own path and not take the ones that your parents want for you, despite always, like having grown up with that pressure your whole childhood. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. Do you remember if you had this kind of light bulb moment with your parents? Were you in college when this happened? Yeah, I think it was in college because all throughout high school, I was such an, I guess, an obedient kid or very square. <laughs> so, you know, whatever my parents told me, I was like, yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a doctor. And once when I got to college, uh, my parents were like, you know, just try pre-med for your first semester. I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And I took a chemistry class over the summer, chem and chem lab. Mm -hmm. And I did horribly. <laughs> And that's when I realized mm. I can't pursue a pre-med major because, or a pre-med path because I, I just wouldn't be good at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was when I realized it wasn't for me and that I wanted to do something different. Yeah. Did you have that same thing with your parents? Yeah, I kind of have a pretty similar thing, but I think for me, my realization came a little bit earlier. And I think this is, is probably really common for having immigrant parents. They come to this country and they have this very specific idea of what success mm -hmm. means. And they just drive that home into their children's minds. For me, my dad wanted me to be a lawyer. That was his dream for me. I think because he, you know, English is not his first language. So he was like, you have to master the language of English, you know, whatever lang your native language is to become a successful lawyer. It's basically all language and reading and writing. So my dad really tried to hone that into me. So I remember I did a pre-college course at Columbia and my dad encouraged me to take con law, constitutional law. But yeah, I think I was like 16 
And wow. I took it as an opportunity to like live it up in New York while at Columbia. And I was like with one of my best friends, yeah. you know, so we were just enjoying ourselves, but I hated the class. It was so boring. Yeah. And like the constitutional law is the most, no offense to those con law lawyers out there, but it's literally just dissecting the constitution. <laughs> and when I was 16, that is not what I wanted to be doing. Really sounds riveting. <laughs> so riveting. But so, yeah, I kind of knew before I even got into college, I was like, this is not the path for me. Even when I graduated college, my dad was like, are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to take the LSATs? I'll pay for your your education. I'll pay for law school. And I think I was disappointing to him by not ever, you know, fulfilling his dream. But I'm lucky, though. My dad's incredibly supportive of what I do now. Mm. So, you know, I think with age comes some other realizations on the parents' part, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we we see that with Jess's dad, actually, in the film. I think he's really portrayed that aspect very well in the film, where he finally comes around to realizing that Jess can possibly be successful and that this is something she really wants to do and it could be a possible career path for her, so. Yeah, speaking of Jess's dad, Mr. Bamra, that's actually one of my favorite scenes is the scene towards the end where Jess has won the final and has this offer from this school in California. And Mr. Bomber kind of like, he he decides to encourage Jess in this moment. He's like, yes, I face a lot of discrimination and pain and hurt in my life, but Jess is good and she should fight for what she wants. And I actually cried watching that scene. Oh, you got emotional. Was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get emotional very easily. <laughs> I wrote down, he wants Jess to fight and I want her to win. Yes, such a great line. Yeah, and for a closed off parent to have this realization, that's, I thought, was like huge. Like she finally has her dad's blessing, which is all she wanted. Yeah. You know, that was her biggest conflict in the movie. Yeah. That's that's her happy ending is having her parents accept her dream and actually encourage her to live out her dream. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Along the same lines, my favorite scene was actually also involved Mr. Bamra, um, but it was at Pinky's wedding. She He pulls her aside and he's like, you know, if the only way I'm going to see you smile on your sister's wedding day is to go to this game, then go. I don't want to see a long face. I want you to go play. And when you come back, I want you to have a smile on your face. Mm-hmm. That was just like a really pivotal scene. It's like, wow, that's when he really starts to come around and uh, really support her. I guess I, maybe he wasn't like fully there yet, but it was kind of this, the point where, you know, he started to kind of come around. Yeah. I did wish that the mom was a little bit more supportive. Mm. I just remember that what I have this written down, um, the one scene when... After Joe goes to the parents' house to talk to um, Mr. and Mrs. Bomber about Jess's practices and how she was sneaking behind their back, um, when he leaves, Jess starts talking about how it's changed for Asians in mainstream sports. And she's like, oh, you know, the captain of the cricket team is Asian. And the mom goes, oh, no, his last name's Hussein. He's Muslim. They're completely different. <laughs> Something along those lines. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was like, oh, dear. I feel like that's totally something my <laughs> my parents would have said back then. But it was just, yeah, I could see it. Like, she was definitely a little more stubborn when it came to accepting the idea of her daughter pursuing a professional sport and breaking tradition in that sense. Yeah. 
I mean, Mrs. Bamra is, I think, depicted as incredibly traditional. Yes. Again, like I mentioned earlier, all she talks about is getting married and having her daughters learn how to cook a traditional meal. And that is what being a successful mother means. And I don't think that's too far off from what a lot of our moms feel, our, our mom's generation. They probably just feel that exact same way. Is Yeah. You live your life to fit a certain mold. Success is having a good paying job marrying well and having a family and that's it you know because that's what they were told what success means yeah so yeah it's incredibly relatable and I agree with you her mom is stubborn and her mom is kind of funny at times too but it's also something to be said that maybe it was the dad's decision to make you know like whatever the dad says then she just kind of goes along with it goes along with yeah. it. You know, she's not going to defy her husband either. Yeah, which is also very traditional. Exactly. <laughs> Do you have any other favorite lines or scenes from the movie? <laughs> well, another favorite scene of mine is that when Joe goes to knock on Jess's parents' door and Pinky opens up the door and you, the, ki- the camera kind of focuses on him and he does this turnaround and his He's like looking straight at the camera and it's just like the piercing blue eyes. I was like, oh, that was the scene. <laughs> okay. Got One of my it. favorite scenes. I, I think I remember like pausing it, rewinding and playing it over just to see that head turn. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't even have a reaction to that. <laughs> I know you're going to hate that. <laughs> Did you pause to rewind this time again? Um, no, I didn't. I'm happily married now. I don't need that kind of thrill in my life. <laughs> but my teenage self did. I don't know. My teenage self definitely needed Matt that. Matt doesn't have blue eyes. That's true. So. He doesn't. But uh, <laughs> I think my teenage self was definitely a lot more, I guess, hormonal. <laughs> I was like, oh, more boy crazy. So it was needed back then. Now I'm okay. Got it. I love a few specific lines. It's the scene when Jess and her mom are talking about a cousin who dresses in a certain way, I guess. And Jess (laughs) goes, mom, she's a fashion designer. And her mom immediately responds, she's divorced. That's what she is. (laughs) Like, again, just to drive home, happy marriage is a happy life. So I just thought that her mom immediately firing back she's divorced (laughs) that's what she is it was just kind of great yeah i feel like that's always a taboo in any culture i feel like in most cultures it's like oh yeah traditional cultures yeah and then a few other lines was towards the end at the wedding and jules and her mom kind of drive up and jules's mom thinks that she and jess are lesbians and there's like some wedding goers and they go lesbian i thought she was a pisces (laughs) or she's not lebanese she's punjabi they just don't even know what the word lesbian is it's just not in their vernacular at all (laughs) yeah that was actually really funny as well i i laughed at that one um, I actually do have one more line <laughs> that I really that I really loved. It was uh, when they were getting fitted for their saris for Pinky's wedding. Yes. <laughs> and as Jess is getting her measurements, her mama's like, she needs to have some shape. And the tailor is like, oh, don't worry, Mrs. Bamra. With our designs, these little mosquito bites will look like juicy, juicy mangoes. I'm like, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> poor jess 
Because that's what all women want, are juicy, juicy oh, mangoes. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I remember that line, too. <laughs> Let's move on to WTF moments. So these are plot holes or the most unrealistic moments. I have a nitpicky one. Okay. Upon rewatching, I thought maybe my ears are wrong, but I picked up that Pinky has a very different accent than the rest of the family. And I don't know where in London they're supposed to live. I know that there's different dialects within the city, depending on where you uh-huh. live. But she just had a different accent to me. And I don't have an answer for that. That was just an interesting note that I took away. Yeah, I don't think I picked up on that. But that is really interesting. Next time you watch, yeah. let me know. <laughs> pay attention to her accent. <laughs> well, I have three main WTFs. The first is... The fact that they let a single male coach be the sole chaperone of a group of teenage girls on an international trip to play a game. Like, really? Yep. Yep. Agree. I wrote that one down, too, because that's just unrealistic. Yeah, I was like, there's there's no way that would ever happen, let alone, like, he didn't just take them to a soccer game. He also took them out clubbing. Yeah. Which is even crazier to me. I'm like, uh, aren't they underage? And, you know, how how would that ever be okay? How would the parents ever allow this? Like, it would have been better if there were just other staff members or members of the coaching team that were accompanying them on this trip. But it was just (laughs) Joe that we saw get on the bus and the plane. So, like, who, what parents would have signed up on this? Like, no way. That's incredibly bizarre. (laughs) The second one was the fact that that Pinky was able to plan a whole wedding within two weeks. Yeah. You know, Indian weddings are pretty elaborate. I'm sure they had like a live band. I think they came in on an on a horse. Right, right. Um, like all this stuff. I was just like, how did they do that in two weeks? That's amazing. Yeah. And even when the dad was calling the venue and he's like, oh, there's not another opening for another five months. I was like, wow, even five months is really short to plan a wedding. Yeah, 100% agree. That was very bizarre because they didn't have to consult anybody. Mr. Bomber just picked up the phone and was like, what's your next date? And that was how they solidified the wedding date. (laughs) Yeah. Agree. Totally. The last WTF I have is just a weird scene that I felt like was never explained was the fight that breaks out at the wedding between the cameraman mm. and like the, the group of people. It seems like it's kind of just like thrown in there. It always bothered me. I was like, what? Like, why? <laughs> I wish there was some sort of background mm. on this. Like, why is there a fight? Did he catch something? Yeah. So my takeaway from that scene is that when Mrs. Bomra is looking for Jess, she goes into the bathroom and she sees this couple kissing, yeah. which I think is not allowed. It's very taboo. And so I think we're led to believe that the cameraman catches them making out and probably has it on film. And that's why the fight breaks out. He's like, give me the footage. Camera guy's like, no. And also that camcorder is huge. It's so, so 2002. <laughs> That's what I got from it, at least. Yeah, that's what I assume, too. But I wish it was just a little more seamless than just, like, a random fight that just seemed to be thrown Mm. in. It just seemed like the scene was, like, cut and paste. Yeah, doesn't need to be in there. I agree. (laughs) I have one last one. At the end, at the airport, Joe comes running in and says to Jess he wants to explore a potential relationship. And she's like, okay, let's talk about it at Christmas. And they kiss. They kiss right when her parents are there. Yeah, good point. (laughs) 
you know, she's like, I want to hide it from my parents. They don't know about you. But then just kiss right there. So that's quite bold of a move. If you don't want your parents to know anything. Yeah. Don't kiss the dude. <laughs> right in front so, of them. Right in front or like literally right behind them. Yeah. That was a little unbelievable for me. No, I agree with you there. I was, <laughs> that was also something I noticed. Yeah, they just needed to throw the rom in. You know, they needed to end it with more romance. <laughs> I agree with that. I feel like they just... They're like, oh, there needs to be some sort of actual kiss in this movie, so let's just put that out there. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, that I do appreciate, and I don't think we see it a lot, especially maybe in 2002, is that a woman of color kissing a white dude. There are a lot of times when I've noticed like there's been romance between two people and one of them is a person of color, and they never kiss. And it drives me crazy. It's like, why can't they kiss? So I will say that (laughs) as much as I just threw shade at this kiss is that I appreciate seeing an interracial kiss on screen. Yeah, I'm with you I don't think it happens a lot. Even today, I can call out very specific movies where I'm waiting for a kiss to happen and it just doesn't happen. Very true. See, this movie was groundbreaking, Michelle. So groundbreaking. Are you going to increase your rating? I don't think I will, but I still don't really understand why your rating is so low for <laughs> for someone who loves this movie. But we can get to that. We can reassess at yeah, the end. Okay. Let's talk about the ending, though. We just started talking about it. What did you think of it? Are you happy with how it ended? Overall, I think it was a very appropriate ending. Probably a little predictable. I think my only qualms with it was I wish they would have shown Jess and Jules in college and show them, you know, a snippet of them like playing with their college team since, you know, that's what it all led up to. So that's something I would have liked Mm -hmm. to to have seen. Also, I kind of wish that they had the real Posh and Vex in the movie, that they had made a cameo, like a real cameo instead of this imposter couple. Yeah, it was very notably fake. Yeah. I was like, that was a really awkward like scene. I agree. But I, I did think it was kind of cute to, you know, tie it in such a nice bow is that they thought they took it as a sign. So. Yeah. What about you? Did you did you like the ending? I think it would have been cool to also see more footage of their life in California and their success as a soccer team. Maybe we see like a short clip of the two girls coming back home for Christmas and maybe she and Joe are together yeah yeah it's fine everybody gets a happy ending i have a question for you um do you think that jess and jules end up making it professionally in soccer hmm hmm i don't know anything about this world but the skeptic in me says no (laughs) because that's like one in a million right but yeah it is it definitely is But I guess they were recruited specifically for soccer. So I wonder. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Or do you think they just play like D1 soccer and then come back to England and pursue the traditional, like traditional careers? Well, I don't want that either. I want them to live their dreams. But do I actually (laughs) think they make it? Probably not. But in my mind, okay, if we play this out, sure, they they play throughout college. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're recruited to maybe coach. I could see that happening. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they professionally make it onto, like, the U.S. women's soccer team. Yeah. And is even 
the University of California at Santa Clara known for its soccer? I have no <laughs> I idea. Have no, I, I probably should have done some research on that, but yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I didn't even look into it. I, I'm sure the director would have done some research on that and not just have named like some random U.S. college. That's funny because I had the opposite reaction to that. I was like, sure, you know, that just sounds very far from the UK. And sure, it could be possibly believable. Yeah, I should have checked that, but I did not. (laughs) Who's your favorite character? I think my favorite character is Jess, but a close runner up is Mr. Bomra. Mm -hmm. And I think Jess, obviously, because she's just embodies all the struggles that a teenage girl faces. And she comes out successful in the end. I just thought that she was a very inspiring character. And I just love the actress, too. Like, she did such a good job <laughs> portraying a teenager when she was actually, like, 27 or 28. And Mr. Bomra, for all the reasons we said before. How about you? I have a little bit of a maybe controversial one. I, yes, Mr. Bomra is one of my favorite characters, but I also wrote down that Jules's mom <laughs> is one of my favorite characters, and I'm conflicted because I realize that she's homophobic and <laughs> low-key racist, but she really tries to be, or quote-unquote, a good mom. She isn't on board with Jules playing soccer, but then realizes Jules loves soccer, so she better get on board and learn about it. So she does take the time to learn about the soccer positions. She learns about, or she starts reading soccer magazines to fully support Jules in her passion. Yeah. And she does have like the funniest bits, in my opinion, too, even though they are racist. But <laughs> she she thinks she's trying to connect with Jess. There's this one line where like Jess comes to visit Jules to kind of talk about what happened in Germany and unsolicited Jules's mom just goes, you know, Jess, I made a lovely curry the other night. (laughs) Like, I mean, it's so ridiculous, but it just adds to her character. Like she's so silly (laughs) and offensive, but you know, her heart's kind of in the right place. Yeah, no, she definitely means well. And I think she has good intentions, uh, but clearly she has no idea what she's talking about. A little ignorant, maybe. She has no idea what she's talking yeah. about. Even Jules is like, mom, stop <laughs> Stop talking. embarrassing you're, yourself. You're embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> We've all had those moments with our parents, I feel like. And I'm like, I can totally see elements of Jules's mom in my parents, too. I feel like he probably would have said something similar to my friends. But yeah, I think Jules's mom is hilarious. She definitely brings uh, the comedic element to the film. And even though she was a little offensive, I think she definitely came off as trying to be really sincere, um, a sincere personality. And, you know, like you were saying, she really wanted to connect with Jules. And she even says, like, She's like, oh, I realize if I don't take an interest in what you, what you, on your interest, then I'm going to lose you. So yeah, and that's a pretty big step forward. Yeah. I just immediately thought of that scene where Jules's parents get in the car to go watch the soccer team, and Jules's mom is dressed up like she's going to like a horse race. Yes, like, she's got big that purple huge hat, hat, floral dress, <laughs> and then her dad's like, it's not bloody ascot or something like that. Yeah. You know, she's trying. She's trying to show up for her daughter. Yeah. In that sense, she's a very traditional British figure, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Just very dated, generational gaps, just a little clueless, but, you know, means well. Means well, well, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so question for you. Jess is obsessed with David Beckham. She talks to him. She has posters all over her wall. Did you have that kind of figure in your life? Was there somebody that you kind of idolized? Um, I can't think of one. No, I don't think I did. I don't think it was a concept that I ever grew up with. I like. I think my parents were just like hammered home the idea of like self reliance and just being your own person and doing things on your own mm. that I never thought to maybe look up to anyone else. Is that sad? Mm. <laughs> no, I think that's there's something to be said about that. You know, it's it it could be dangerous to put all your beliefs in one person. Yeah, you know, who's human and like everyone has flaws, so. It could be dangerous. No, I, I get it. Yeah, I guess I I kind of wish I did have that that figure in my life, like someone to look up to that I would find really inspiring and maybe motivate me mm. to pursue something more. But no, what about you? Well, for me, I didn't have posters all over my wall, but <laughs> it was very commonly known that I was obsessed with Oprah at that age. I do remember you talking about <laughs> your aspirations. To be the next Oprah. I loved Oprah. Yeah, I wanted to be Asian Oprah, basically. I wanted to have a TV show. I wanted to talk to celebrities. I wanted to talk about, you know, your spirit and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And giveaway cars. Oh, yeah, and giveaway cars, exactly. <laughs> no, she was just my favorite. I thought that she, she, I think she was the first black billionaire. I don't know if I have that fact wrong. No, but I think you're, I think you are yeah. right, yeah. Yeah, so that was always incredibly inspirational to me. She was, she struggled in her childhood and she made it out on the other side to be incredibly successful and help other people realize their worth. So that was always something that I really, really responded to. But alas, I did not end up like Oprah. Well, you can't say that yet. I mean, but that's a, that's a really good, that's a really good figure, actually. So what actually happened, speaking to what your parents, you know, wanted you to be self-actualized, my dad actually always kind of was the opposite. He was like, you should write letters to the people that you really admire. Oh, and interesting. so I actually wrote to Oprah. What? <laughs> yeah, I wrote to her. I think I, this was like in high school, probably, but I never heard back from her. I never got like any standardized letter mailed back to me. So my dad was actually quite disappointed. He was like move on from your Oprah dream, you know, <laughs> it's fine, find somebody else. And he, oh. I think he thought I was hurt. You know, I think that was his response yeah. to like, don't be hurt, just move on. Oh. Um, but it was, my dad just like did a 180. He was like, you don't need her. But there's something to be said about not putting all your faith into celebrity figures. So Oh, that makes me just love your dad even more. <laughs> <laughs> I've always thought he was like so adorable, but this just really sold him. He has his moments. Yeah, that is so cute. But yeah, what? Shame on Oprah for not responding to little Michelle. Yeah. You know, she could have had an Asian Asian protege here. One day, Michelle, one day. The other thing that I took away from this movie is that I realized I wish I had the experience of playing on a team sport. I didn't grow up playing. I think like when I was a kid, I did. But as a teenager and like a young adult, I did not have that experience. So I kind of was watching this movie being like, oh, these women, they have such a great bond. They have all these fun experiences they can share together. And I found myself kind of envying that experience. So yeah. Did you play a a sport in high school? Did you have that bonding experience? 
I did play a sport briefly in high school. I actually realized it was only my freshman year that I played. I was on our volleyball team. It was a freshman team, so we were all same year, all new. So I think there's a lot of camaraderie there because we were all at the same level. It wasn't like a, a JV or varsity team where you could be like a junior or a senior. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I did experience some of that. I mean, I do wish that I continued uh, all four years because I feel like the bonds that were made during that first year could have really grown to be so much stronger. I guess I just focus on other extracurriculars because, again, my parents were more focused on um, education. So, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. sports were not a priority. So, yeah, it was fun. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I do do wish I could have stayed – like that kind of the camaraderie, the bonding is very similar to what's in the movie. But in high school, it's definitely a little more catty and <laughs> not as mature as what was portrayed in the film. Yeah, I was going to say that I like that they portrayed a female team that didn't have a lot of cattiness. Yeah. But I'm sure that that's inevitable for any team, how that comes out and all that conflict and all that stuff. Um, what would you have played if you could redo high school? What would you have gone for in terms of sport? I don't know. I ran I ran track in middle school, but I wasn't particularly good at it, so I don't know. <laughs> so you didn't want to pursue track when you went when you got into uh, high school? No, I don't know. I, I was really a fast sprinter at one point, but. I didn't practice that and didn't continue that. So, yeah, I don't know what sport I would have played. Because, like, I always tease Frank because tennis is his sport. And I know you play yeah. tennis. But to me, tennis is not an inherent team sport. It's a very individual sport. Yes, that is true. Sometimes I, I tease Frank. I'm like, you don't play well with others because <laughs> tennis is your sport. You didn't learn how to play well with the team. That's so. that's hilarious and kind of true. <laughs> I think uh, along those lines, I'm pretty sure that's probably why my parents pushed me to play tennis is because it's an individual sport and you don't have to rely on other teammates. Yeah, you just need one other person to play with and you're Yeah, unless if you're in a doubles team. But um, yeah, I never really played doubles. It was always singles. But yeah, I, I mean, now that I think about it, I'm like, huh, makes total sense why Asian parents love tennis well yeah because it's non-contact yeah you know there's not other people charging exactly. at you the other sport my my parents mm-hmm. really wanted me to play was golf so, so asian. asian yeah i think those sports are very high on the hand-eye coordination yes. less of like tackling somebody using physical contact so. yeah yeah i will say like in terms of the high school sports like the team aspect I was really surprised at how supportive all the girls were of each other. Now just thinking back on it, because there are mm-hmm. some girls on the team that I was never friends with, and you know they kind of had a rep- some of them had a reputation, maybe not mm-hmm. being the nicest person. But when we're all when we're all playing a game, you know everyone was you know cheering the other person on, and you know just being so supportive and so positive, and being like, "Hey, good job, great job, great job." Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. This is not a movie that I think people talk a lot about. Bend it like Beckham. So why do you think this movie is like? Do you think it should be more popular than it is? Absolutely. So why do you think it hasn't had that moment? That's a really good question. 
yeah, that's actually kind of puzzling given that it seemed to do really well when it first came out. And I was reading the user reviews on IMDb. They were actually really positive. I was kind of surprised. Everyone was like, oh, it was a really great movie, so wholesome and entertaining, and I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. There have just been so many other movies that have come out since that have kind of broached this theme of a coming-of-age story. And it seems like nowadays there's more uh, more diverse, or I guess like movies with a diverse cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe it's just got lost in the, in the discussion since it's no longer really considered a groundbreaking movie. Yeah. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I'm a little surprised that this movie isn't part of a bigger conversation because I think it depicts women in a very different way than women are normally depicted in media. It depicts an immigrant family, which is also not a common story that's told, at least in 2002 it wasn't. So yeah, I'm a little surprised that it's not as popular or talked about a whole lot. But I don't know. I was going to say there are a lot of parts of this movie that haven't aged well. So maybe that could be part of it. Oh, interesting. But I think okay. I think the parts that hasn't aged well, I think it's meant to not age well in the movie. A lot of the homophobia or misogyny, like those were caricatures of those characters because we know as an audience that they shouldn't be thinking that way or saying those things. Right. So. I just think if like this movie were made today, it wouldn't be as overt. It'd be a little bit more, it'd be more layered, mm. I think. It couldn't just be like, oh, girls can't play soccer. Yeah. The the conflict, I think, if this movie were made today would be a little bit different. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I agree with that assessment. <laughs> um, it's a shame that it <laughs> that people aren't still talking about this movie today. I feel like maybe we can change that. Yeah, you should evangelize this, this movie since it's one of your favorites, which I still share. And I have to admit, I still don't know why you're giving it a 6.7 if you love it so much. <laughs> After this whole discussion, Michelle, I feel like I probably am going to raise the score. I, I'm going to revise my my rating. Okay, please. <laughs> what is your revision to? So given everything um, that we just talked about, I'm going to, I think this movie actually deserves a 7.5. Okay, that actually is a score that I would have originally expected from you. That's what I figured. Because I feel like you have a lot of love and nostalgia for this movie. And I think that revised score makes more sense More sense to me. Yeah, I think maybe I was being a little too harsh with my rating initially. <laughs> You're right, I do love this movie and it's something that is near and dear to me and my um, my adolescent memories. So I think like when I revisited some of these movies while talking about them now with some friends, it's been interesting because I've realized a lot of the movies have been boosted by just sheer nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, a lot of movies that were made a while ago are incredibly problematic. They make zero sense. Yeah. They're not based in any sort of reality, but yet we still love them and I still rate them quite high. So... <laughs> Considering how much you love this movie, I think this score makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. So just a few things of trivia. I'm sure that you found some things too when you were researching this movie. Mm -hmm. Is that you mentioned this earlier, but Parminder Nagra, she's basically a full 10 years older than Keira Knightley. Which is crazy. Wild. Yeah. (laughs) She looks so... She plays the role so 
<laughs> yeah, you're like almost 30 and you're playing an 18 year old. That's got to be an interesting mind shift. Oh, yeah. But you know what? Like, Gabrielle Union has been doing that. <laughs> she did that uh, all throughout the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. So. Uh, I guess it can be done. I mean... Yeah. Parminter Nagra, I think she played it really, really well. I haven't seen a lot of her after this. I think she was in ER. Yeah. But I never watched ER. She was in Ella Enchanted. Oh, yeah. That movie with Anne Hathaway. <laughs> I actually never saw that film, but I do. Oh, you haven't? It's, it's a very entertaining movie. Yeah, she plays Anne Hathaway's best friend oh, in that movie. Maybe I will watch that now. She doesn't have a huge storyline, unfortunately. Sad. I was kind of scrolling through her IMDb. There's not a lot on here that I've seen or is incredibly mainstream. So I don't know. Maybe oh, she's on 13 Reasons Why. Is she really? Which is a big show. Yeah. Do you watch that show? Um, I saw the first season, but I don't remember seeing her in it at all. Is she in the second season? So on her IMDb, it says that she's in it from 2018 to 2020. So maybe she's later. Maybe like not in season one. Oh, interesting. Okay. It seems like TV is where she is. She's got like a sweet spot with TV. Yeah, I feel like the only real star has been Keira Knightley. Yeah. Well, yeah. Jonathan Rhys Myers too, I guess, but he's not as mainstream as Keira Knightley. Yeah, I would agree to that. Other points of trivia, Jess wears number seven on her jersey, which is the same number as David Beckham when he was on Manchester United. And I didn't know this, but I found this in my research, is that the actress who plays Mel, who was the team captain <laughs> of the soccer team, is or was a singer in the group All Saints. Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> her name is Shazne Lewis. All Saints. That was like a moment in the 2000s. Oh, yeah. I love their song. Were they a one-hit wonder? Maybe. Because I really only know that one song, Never Ever. It just sounds so familiar. I'm going to have to like listen to it oh, after. Oh, yeah. Play it on your Spotify. <laughs> one other point is Bend It Like Beckham became the highest grossing Indian-themed film in the U.S. since Gandhi, which came out in 1982. Oh, wow. So I think maybe a reason why this movie hasn't done super well or doesn't have longevity in the U.S. is simply the fact that it's a British film. Yeah, that could be that could be true, too. I do have one more point of trivia, actually. I don't know if you know Please. this, but Mrs. Bomber, the actress that plays Mrs. Bomber, was only like four years older than Parminder Nagra. Oh, no way. She doesn't actually have an Indian accent. She actually has a British accent. Oh, okay. She does it so well, though. Well played, Mrs. Bomber. Yeah. Good to know. I didn't know that. Um, do you have any last takes of this movie? I don't think I have anything new to add. I, I feel like this is something I would put on um, like once in a while and probably something I'd watch with my future children. Yeah, I just feel like it's such a good, wholesome movie that really introduces this coming-of-age story and exposes people to different cultural differences and feel like this movie needs more love and I hope that it gets some more recognition in the future. Yeah, I think, again, I said this earlier, but like, I don't, I don't think I quantify this movie as a rom-com, but I think it's a great coming of age film that people should see if they haven't seen it before. I'll say this, I'm glad that I was able to convince you, Sharon, to change your score because you should be proud of the movie that you love <laughs> and gave you a sexual awakening to Jonathan Rhys Myers. <laughs> yes. So 
you know, if we want to see different stories told from different points of view, we should support those kinds of movies like Bend It Like Beckham. Yeah. Well, I have to thank you for kind of bending the rules a little bit (laughs) and stretching your definition of rom-com to include Bend It Like Beckham. Of course. Oh, I did forget one thing, actually, before we finish. I have a quote. So the director was interviewed when this movie came out, and I would like to read you a quote that I think really pulled this thing together for me. Uh So it says here that David Beckham's trademark kick, which is curling the ball so it looks like it's going one way, but in midair actually swerves around a wall of defenders before hitting the back of the goal. It presents, quote, a great metaphor for a lot of us, especially girls. We can see our goal, but instead of going straight there, we too have to twist and bend the rules sometimes to get what we want, no matter where we reside, no matter what group we claim or not to embrace as part of our ethnic lineage, end quote. Wow. Yeah, I think, I mean, I didn't pick that up from watching the movie, but reading this quote, it makes a lot of sense. It does, yeah. You know, women have to, we have different struggles than men do. So I really appreciated that. Yeah, that was a very profound quote. Well, thank you so much, Sharon, for doing this with me. I look forward to chatting with you again. Oh, absolutely. I definitely want to do another one. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Thank you to all you tuning in to another episode of Romcom Weekly. You can follow us on Instagram at Romcom Weekly, and we'll chat with you again soon. Thanks. Bye.